Hello there and welcome. This is the MMA Reaction. I am your host, Ekoi Ivy. Today, we are primarily going to be talking about the UFC Fight Night Denver Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez fight card. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of detail. Um, once we get through that, I'm going to talk about the one championship making some real fucking moves in the world of MMA. Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about the UFC flyweight division and the whole TJ wants two belts uh, and he's going to fight Cejudo. So I appreciate the fuck of you guys. Thank you for listening and uh, I hope you enjoy it. All right, so we're going to get right into the UFC Fight Night Denver, the Korean Zombie versus Rodriguez recap. <clears throat> so this fight, or this card, saw a lot of actually really good fights. Um, I'm going to cover just the main card, because uh, those are the, most of the fights that I actually saw. Um, first, uh, first uh, Luis Pena versus Mike Trezano. Uh, Luis Pena is the Violent Bob Rass guy. I like him very much. I was really high on him. He ends up losing a split decision uh, to Mike Trezano. Uh, apparently, both these gentlemen were ultimate fighter uh, combatants, and they were supposed to fight, but Lewis got hurt. I don't watch Tough. I haven't watched Tough in a long time, so I, I was unfamiliar with the story. Uh, but I'll tell you, Mike Trezano looked really good, and I think... I don't know if... Um, if Mike Trezano was really that good or if Luis Pena was a little bit flat, uh, it seemed like he struggled to get, get things going on the feet like he did in his other bouts. So I don't know if that's just a level of competition or if it's maybe fit a little flat. It's really hard to tell because, you know, these fighters go through these long camps. They are all usually have some kind of injury. They're nursing an injury. They're, something's usually going on with them. So um, it's, it's difficult. They, they have one night to prove prove themselves and and sometimes we unfairly characterize them as uh not being as good as we thought i still have high hopes for Luis pena i think mike trezano is a really good prospect now too i'm, I'm definitely gonna be following him a lot more close closely um i felt i don't know why it was split from what i saw and you know who the fuck am i but what from what i saw mike trezano he should have got all three rounds i'm pretty sure um unfortunately i didn't see Luis pena do much of anything more than what Mike Trezano was doing. His takedown defense was very good, especially for Lewis being an accomplished wrestler. I mean, Mike Mike did a really good job. <clears throat> Other than that, I think they're both young. They're both they're both probably going to be you know good talents in the, in the lightweight division to go on for a while. So uh, next up, uh, Macy Barber beat the fuck out of Hannah Cyphers. Uh, second round, uh, she basically took her down, mounted her, and then elbowed her into oblivion. Uh, very interesting character, uh, Macy is. She's very, um, she's very loud on the microphone. She's, she's very, very confident in herself, and she says that she, oh, who the fuck did she say she, was, she wanted to fight? Oh, she wanted to fight uh, Dern, Mackenzie Dern. That's who she called out. That's very interesting. So, um, in terms of strawweights, they could use as much good talent as possible. Uh, Macy Barber did look like a beast, though. I ain't going to lie. She looked really good. So if they were to make a Mackenzie Dern, Macy Barber, I think that might be a bit of a step up for, for Macy. But she looks like 
she can be a real contender. So, uh, next up, Benil Dariush defeats Tiago Moises uh, by de by unanimous decision. That's good for Benil. He's uh, coming off of a few losses, uh, so it's good to get him back in the win column. Uh, I mean, pretty much textbook fight. Uh, nothing too crazy. Tiago did have some, some good submission attempts, but for the most part, uh, Benil just did what he does. Good striking, good ground game, good everything. So, uh, Durain, Jermaine Durain makes her return since losing, or I'm sorry, since beating Holly Holm. And she defeats Raquel Pennington. Uh, pretty easy decision. I mean, I don't think there was anything unexpected in this fight. Um, when I saw the booking, I've, I kind of felt bad for Raquel because Jermaine has all the tools to beat her. I mean, she's, she's basically a... a Slightly more technical with less aggression and power than Amanda Nunes. That's that's who Jermaine Durandamain is. And uh, recall, Raquel uh, didn't really have much to offer Jermaine. Jermaine pieced her up on the floor like I think we all were expecting. Um, not a whole lot to note other than Jermaine's really, really fucking good at kickboxing. She's a legit world champion, so that's to be expected. Um... I mean, I don't know where Raquel goes from here. That's two in a row. Uh, granted, the last the last two fights have been from real top-level talent. I don't know what Jermaine's going to do because this was at a catch weight of 138 pounds, which seems like a weird catch weight. Like, why not 140? It's like three pounds away from the 135 limit. Two pounds, really, because you have a one-pound... So you couldn't make two more pounds to get to the 135 limit? Uh, limit? That seems odd to me. Maybe I'm missing some information. Um, I don't know. Maybe she missed weight. I don't fucking know. Um, but I, that seems like a weird catchweight to me. Um, and then, of course, we'll get into the real, the real last two fights of the fight or the of the card. That, um, of course, this is gonna be the talk of the town. Donald, motherfucking cowboy Cerrone defeats Mike Perry by armbar in the first round. Wow. I was a little worried about Donald. I mean. Going off his last last performance against Leon Edwards, he didn't look bad. He looked competitive, but Leon definitely beat him on the feet. I mean, again, there's motivation issues there. I believe that was overseas, too. I can't remember. Um, and Mike Perry's coming off that Paul Felder win. And, and frankly, looked like the change of camps was, was really good for Mike Perry. So I think a lot of people, to include myself, was a little worried. Now, because... because Donald Donald Cerrone's probably my favorite fighter. I, I would never vote against him, and I can I'm, I'm biased as fuck. So, um, of course, I'm rooting for him to win. I thought he was gonna win, but I was very nervous because Mike Mike Perry's no joke. Um, it looked pretty much like I thought it might look initially. Um, Donald didn't seem to engage on the feet at all, really, um, other than a couple setup shots. I mean, you could tell right away that the game plan was to get. Perry on the ground immediately and start working his submission game. Now, this is also probably because Mike Perry and Cerrone have trained in the past. They were they used to be out of the same camp at Winklejohns, and because of that, um, Donald knew where his, his real advantage would lie, and that was on the ground. Um, although I'm sure it would have been competitive on the feet, I don't think Donald wanted to risk getting knocked out because Perry does possess legit end-your-life power. So, really, really interesting fight. Um, a couple good sweeps. I mean, actually, in fact, Perry's the one that took Donald down. 
And uh, once he was on the once on the ground, Donald went for a sweep, got on top, took the back, got spiked a few times, attempted a triangle, and then ended up spinning for that arm bar and bent the fuck out of it. Uh, in fact, Mike Perry said that his arm is actually broken, uh, and it looked it looked the part. It looked it looked fucking nasty. Um, good for Donald, man. I, of course, I love it. I'm cheering for him. Um, he looked really intense. He gets up, runs, gets his new baby. I mean, he looks really determined. He looks like um, he looked like a new man in there, and you could tell that. Uh, and Donald said this as much as he was really soaking in, just the the process of of fighting. Uh, one thing to note, he did say that he wants to go back down to 55 and make a real run at the title at 55. I don't know if that's the move, man, because he's, I mean, despite the fact that he's lost three times at, at welterweight, because he's moved, he's moving up from lightweight, and he wants to go back down to lightweight. I don't know that moving back down is the, is the best ticket. But that's what he wants to do, and, you know, he would know better than anybody else, because, I mean, he fought there for years and years and years, but he's been looking really good at 70. It's not like, with the exception of Jorge Mastaval fight and the, um, and the Darren Till fight, he's not looked even in the in the in the fights he's lost at welterweight. It's not like he's looked bad. He's like, in fact, he's he's actually looked he looked, he's looked like a world beater. You know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, I'm really happy for Donald Cerrone. Most wins in UFC history at 21. Most finishes in UFC history. The guy's a fucking beast, man. And I remember watching the first Donald Cerrone fight I ever saw was. Uh, was Cerrone versus Ed, I think it's Ratcliffe, Ed Ratcliffe, 9mm, I know it's Ed something, but I'm pretty sure it's Ed Ratcliffe, um, and that was a WEC fight, and I've basically been a fan of Cerrone, Cerrone ever since, um, to speak to some of the drama issues, uh, in the pre-fight, Cowboy was basically telling everybody to go fuck themselves, in terms of Winklejohn, says it's all about money, so it's unfortunate that we had these conflicts in these camps, and they have definitely severed their ties, almost to the point to where even Winklejohn had put a social media post about how uh, Cerrone is not a team player and he's a cancer and they're glad to cut the cancer out. I'm sure there's many things and many factors that we're never going to know. And frankly, that kind of stuff's not really any of our business. That's between the fighter and the camp. And uh, it's unfortunate that the, the dirty laundry is getting aired out so openly. But um, I think... I think, I think most of us are on Cerrone's side based on the information that we have. Not that we should really have an opinion. It's just one of those things in life. It's unfortunate. Uh, but I will say Cowboy looked like maybe the change of camp was good for him. Maybe it was something that he really needed to do. Um, I'm sure having this baby boy and he's got a new motivation on life. And now he's had something to like, like what he had said in the post fight. He said he has something to fight for now. He didn't realize that. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what's going forward. Donald Cerrone did tease that the UFC is already uh, given him a potential lightweight uh, fight. So that's really interesting. Um, some people have suggested maybe be Conor McGregor, which they, those two have wanted to fight for a while. So that would be a pretty interesting fight. And that would be a big-ass money fight for Don. Um, you know, and he deserves it for as long as he's been in the fight game, more than 40 fights, and he's been a lot of up and downs. He, he definitely deserves uh, every bit of paper that they can throw at him. So, the main event, the Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung 
versus Yair Rodriguez, El Pantera. What an amazing fight. Forget the ending, because I know that's what everyone's going to remember forever, is, is the elbow heard around the world. And it was amazing. And, and um, But the whole fight start to finish. Um, start to finish, this fight was, was really, really intense and back and forth. Although, I absolutely agree that Korean Zombie would have won that fight. I had him up on the cards. I think he, he actually beat Yair. And, and what I was watching is that Yair doesn't defend straight punches. He's very good at slipping and dodging from hooks and uppercuts and kicks. and But straight punches kept touching him all day, every day. Jabs, cross, jabs, cross, cross, jab. He was getting, he was getting peppered with those straight punches. And um, this, this actually kind of proves exactly why Frankie Edgar was able to beat him. Because Frankie Edgar is a tremendous boxer. And he's throwing those, pi those punches straight down the pipe. And it really outlined where Yair really needs to improve. Because Yair's off offense is amazing. Not only is he flashy and he throws crazy strikes. But he's pretty accurate with his crazy ass strikes for the most part. What can you say about the Korean Zombie? I think he did everything he had to do to win that fight. Everything. Nobody could have predicted that Yair would have ducked that, ducked that, that hook so perfectly and threw that weird, awkward elbow. I mean, the timing was so perfect that it, it couldn't have been on purpose. It, it was, if you watch, because at first when you see it, it almost looked like a headbutt or something. You're not really sure what happened. And then, you know, they, they show the other angle and you see that, that Yair ducked the hook and threw a upward elbow that it looked like it almost like it was muscle memory like Yair maybe practices throwing an elbow like that but probably not under those circumstances almost the point to where you look at it and go holy fuck that's the luckiest elbow in the world with skill like lucky with skill and training and then you know the Korean zombie out cold for a while I mean he's out cold uh, what a brutal way to lose a fight right at the end. Literally one second. Buzzer beater. Crazy. Um, probably, probably definitely fight of the year in my book. Definitely knockout of the year. And then, you know, people who, MMA fans, we, we always get really excited about stuff like this. And we immediately tout as the greatest fight of all time, the greatest knockout of all time. And we, we're, so, we're so conditioned just to forget all the great knockouts and fights we've seen previously whether it be this year or years previous so i'm not going to say that it's the greatest fight or greatest ko of, for, of ever of all time but in terms of this year i can't think of anything that's better this was amazing what a great performance and to think that old old pinky was trying to get rid of yair um, because he didn't want to fight zabit um I'm very happy that they were able to come to some kind of terms and Yair's back and fighting. Uh, his post-fight, he was exhausted. I guess he he'd, he'd probably, if he didn't break his foot, he did some real damage to his foot on the knee of, of uh, Chang Sung Jun. So uh, he's got to do some healing. The Both guys literally probably spent the next three days in the hospital trying to recover. They're probably pissing Coca-Cola at this point because they, they put their bodies through so much dra uh, trauma and stress and adrenaline. Um, but, but man, was that amazing. Uh, so what's next for Yair? If, if it is the Zabit fight, I'm going to tell you this right now. It's going to be, it's going to be a circus, man. It's going to be an amazing, high energy, crazy, creative striking fest. And I want to see it more than any other fight right now is that Zabit 
versus Yair. I will tell you this, I do favor Zabit for that fight because Zabit, a little bit better, more defensively sound, obviously. He's got way better wrestling, for sure. And Yair gets hit a lot. I mean, he, he, he gets hit a lot. And, and Zabit's going to expose that. So I do favor Zabit a little bit, but I think it'll be a very good fight. It's going to be very entertaining. And Yair's going to be doing triple luck somersault knees to the face. So um, amazing. I did want to talk about Korean Zombie a little bit. He had, he had, uh, he had uh, responded to the loss. And I'm going to read you what he had to say because it just it's kind, of, kind of bothers me a little bit. Uh, he says, his quote is, I have no excuse. Uh, to everyone who has helped me, I am truly sorry. Thank you. To everyone who hates me, congratulations. I am not in good enough condition to get on a plane, so I will spend the next few days in the hospital before going back to Korea. I am embarrassed, but I will see you when I get home. What a weird fucking thing to say after a fight like that. Now, to be fair to... Uh, the Korean zombie this is I'm sure that this quote's been translated into English and as we all know many times when you translate languages it's just not quite uh, probably exactly what he was trying to say but you could break it down like this for one you have no excuse of course you have no excuses why would you have any excuses at all you, you did everything in your power and you did win that fight up until the last literally the last second you won that fight so you shouldn't have any excuses there was no excuse for you for your loss it's just one of those things in, in, in the fight game. Um, to be sorry, to be sorry, that's crazy, man. You should never be sorry for something like that. You should feel proud of what, what, what you and Yair put on. That was crazy. To everyone that hates me, congratulations. That's this, Who hates the Korean zombie? Unless he's like talking about some kind of inside thing, maybe something in Korea where there's a group of haters. But who the fuck hates the Korean zombie? That's crazy. That seems very self-effacing to me. Like, what are you doing? Um, and then he says, I'm embarrassed. The last thing you should be is embarrassed about that fight, man. That's so crazy to me. It's a, just a weird mentality to have. And maybe that's why I'm not a fighter, but that's a crazy mentality to have that you're embarrassed that you lost that way. I mean, maybe, maybe you didn't want to get knocked out. Maybe, but that's the most, you would have thrown that same combination and that same sequence a million more times. And that elbow would have never landed and you would have won that fight. So to be embarrassed is like, what? What is going on with that? Um, he has had a long, long off layoff. So, uh, well, I guess kind of a little less than a year. Oh, or a little more than a year, actually, because his last fight was February of 2017 against Dennis Bermudez. So he's had a, a, a layoff. Hopefully he gets back in there in, you know, six to nine more months. And, and we can see, um, see him again because he put on a great performance and... Um, Ah, man, I can't believe he feels embarrassed about that. That's, that's fucking crazy to me. So, in, in a nutshell, the Fight Night Denver card was amazing. Uh, all the fights were really good. The last two particularly were pretty amazing. And uh, I guess I guess we'll look forward to the next one. Um, the next topic is just... I'm going to talk about the one championship because they are fucking making moves, son. Um, it's interesting to me that okay so so one let's let's go back in time right so one acquires eddie alvarez in a, in in free agency eddie goes signs with them gets go, gets paid whatever and we had talked about that before so you sign eddie, eddie alvarez in free agency then you trade ben Askren for dj in a monumental first time only MMA, first time ever 
MMA situation where we're trading contracts, where two people are under contracts and it gets traded, which is crazy. Never happened before. That's very interesting. We're talking top-level guys now. Eddie Alvarez and DJ, top-level guys. Then you announce that Misha Tate is coming on as a vice president. That's big, man. Misha's really smart. Like I don't think people give Misha quite as much credit for how smart and how business savvy she really is but she's very smart and very business business savvy and i think i think they must recognize something like that in her where they're going to put her in a vice presidency role obviously she has a name and she has notoriety but she's going to be a real catalyst for women's mma over in one and um that's a big move so now you have rich franklin and misha tate doing business over there in one championship eddie alvarez demetrius johnson um, of course, you have Brandon Varis, high-level heavyweight. Um, and then Sage Northcutt had made a, a statement saying that, that he's over in Singapore right now, also talking about getting signed in free agency. So what is one championship must be doing something right because I, if I don't know, or, or are they just paying out the asshole? I don't know what it is, but they're doing something because they're, they are um, – really making some noise and they haven't they the they have an app through the ios or the android market where you can watch all their fights for free every bit of it's free even the live events free as they as they, if you log into the app it has a countdown to the next live event you can watch it for free um so where they're acquiring the money and distributing their money who knows but i'm very interested to see where they're taking this because it would appear that one championship is really trying to make waves and, and become more of an international type promotion it's, it's very interesting it's very interesting what they're doing and I'm, I'm very excited to see see what what goes on next um with one and what they're doing because frankly i have never seen a single one fight up until uh up until like a month ago like i like i kind of heard about them but i didn't really you know i didn't pay any attention to them but th i'm paying attention now I'm looking at them. I'm watching some of their some of their fighters. So um, they're definitely doing doing some things right. Um, and then the last thing today is that there was word that the UFC is going to dissolve the flyweight division. Now that Demetrius is gone, they were going to get rid of the flyweight division. Um, but now they also they announced uh, Dillashaw versus Hudo uh, title fight at 125. And it's interesting to me because this is this is uh, Dana White's quote. Listen, we are working on some things right now with that division. Dillashaw wants to win two belts. There's five or six guys who have done it. He wants to do it. Cejudo is absolutely fine fighting at that weight instead of going to 135. So we made that fight. Perfect. So what the fuck is the point, though? My prediction is TJ for Cejudo happens at 125. TJ gets his second belt. He, goes, he gets his historic... Watermark. I'm a two-time champ. And then they dissolve the flyweight division anyway. I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, it's really unfortunate because the guys who are perfect for 125 are going to have to fight at, fight at 135. Or they're going to have to dissolve their contract with the UFC and go somewhere else. And um, that's unfortunate because there are some really good fighters at 125 pounds. But for whatever reason, for whatever's in the our psyche we never appreciate little guys we just don't they're very small they're very small men 
and for whatever reason, we just can't get behind supporting them. So I understand that the, the flyweight division is probably not pulling as many eyeballs and probably not making as much money since money is the absolute most important thing with this era of UFC. Um, so I get it, man. Interesting, though, is that Conor McGregor had made a, had tweeted the, um, the president of one championship and basically blamed him for the the for the 125 division being basically removed from the UFC and, and stated that he must sign the entire roster of UFC flyweights. And obviously that's, uh, you know, it's, it's just a little bit of getting the guys go or saying, you know, kind of Connor's standing up for these, these fighters. I mean, I'm sure one can't take the whole roster, but I'm pretty sure that that top 20 in the flyweight right now is probably going to end up over at one. Um, because that seems to be where there's a lot, a lot more talent in that particular weight class. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. That's it. I'm done. Short day today. Um, I hope you guys have a good weekend, a good week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please make contact with me at themmareaction at gmail.com or you can hit me up at the underscore MMA underscore reaction on Instagram and uh, slide me a DM. Appreciate the fuck out of you guys. Have a great day.